The hymn is hymn 138. We are on stanza number four of our Easter hymn. Oh, where is your sting, death? Oh, where is your sting, death? We fear you no more. We fear you no more. Oh, where is your sting, death? We fear you no more. Oh, where is your sting, death? We fear you no more. Christ rose, and now open is fair Eden's door. Christ rose, and now open is fair Eden's door. Christ rose, and now open is fair Eden's door. Christ rose, and now open is fair Eden's door. All right. Um, where is your sting? Walther is pulling out the uh, reference to this in uh, Corinthians. What are, can you, what, are, what is that? Where is your sting, oh, oh death, where is your sting? The sting of death. It does us no harm anymore. It does us no harm, okay. Yeah, the sting of death is sin. Um, now, why would that be? The sin leads to eternal death. It does. Exactly. Um, what are the wages of sin? Death. Death. Um, so what has happened? Well, the sting of death has been taken away. Um, for... For... Jesus, and the next one, Jesus rose. He's not dead. What about us? Hmm. You're going to die? I see all kinds of cemeteries. We too will rise. We too will rise. Yes, exactly. Uh, someone once described uh, Jesus suffering death and and resurrection that uh, we were all in a boat we're all in the same boat um, and because of the, our sin uh, there is the danger and the boat is going down and so what happens Jesus as the lifeguard you might say, jumps into the water and swims out to help us in the boat. And what happens? Well, the boat goes down with Jesus in it and we all die. And then, they said, Jesus comes walking out of the water up on the beach and says, I've risen from the dead. And that's it. No. Everyone else sees out, but everyone else is in the grave. No. No, okay. Oh, well, uh, everybody else comes walking out of the water the same way. The water. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, I'm on the beach now. <laughs> yes. Um, we too have a resurrection. Absolutely. And the same Jesus who rose from the dead can give his resurrection. To others as well. He did it while he walked this earth. Uh, he has promised that to us, you might say. That is his promise, the first fruits of what is all going to come. Just as surely as he rose from the dead, he told us, whoever believes and is baptized shall be saved. He said, you too will rise from the dead. And so we have his promise. Uh, this is true. And so uh, there is well, a bit of a delay, you might say. Uh, um, uh, nevertheless, uh, we too have this resurrection. And so, as it say here, where is your sting death? I fear death no more. Uh, I will be with the Lord immediately. I'm waiting until the last day to see that body come out of the grave, but we fear you no more. Uh, why? Just as Christ rose. Everything is dependent upon his rising from the dead. That is my assurance. That's how I know the sacrifice was accepted. 
That is how I know that I will have a resurrection from the dead. That's why we gather together again on, well, every resurrection day that we might say we too are going to rise from the dead. Now open is fair Eden's door. What about this? Eden's door? Must be talking about the Garden of Eden. Why does it say Eden's door is open? What's, what's wrong with the door? Sin caused it to be closed. Adam and Eve sinned, kicked out of the garden. Angels were placed there to keep everybody out. What was it? We had angels, um, cherubim with a flaming sword uh, to prevent entry back in. But you can't go back that way. But now there is a way back. The way is through Christ. The way is through faith in him. And so we, we will return to that paradise where we will be with, with God. All right, so open is fair Eden's door. For all our transgressions, For all our transgressions his, blood does atone. his blood does atone. For all our transgressions, his blood does atone. Redeemed and forgiven, we now are his own. Redeemed and forgiven, we now are his own. So, atonement. The price has been paid. Uh, he paid for it not with gold or silver, but with his own precious blood. He atoned for our sins. We have been redeemed. That is, we are bought back. Uh, through faith, we receive that forgiveness uh, that is listed here. And we are now belonging to him. We are his own. And if we are his, where the head has risen, so the body also will arise. Uh, he is the head and we are the body. And we will be with him. Questions for stanza four? Let's sing. Mm -hmm. Oh, where is your sting that we fear you no more. Death's throes and now open is fair Eden's door. For all our transgressions his blood does atone. Redeemed and forgiven we now are his own. We're on the table of duties, which are the scripture passages for the various vocations that we live in in this world. Uh, the first two were uh, the vocation of the bishop, pastor, and preacher. That is the pastoral office. And then the hearers, what the hearers owe the pastors. And so we had uh, the preachers and the hearers. You would call that uh, realm the, the church. That's what we have. We move on to the second realm, uh, which begins with, uh, we would call them the religious authorities or civil government. If you happen to have that uh, copy of one of those here, it's page 32. Uh, civil government and citizens. This is the other realm that God has uh, given for us. Uh, those who rule in government and those who are ruled. So let's take a look at Romans 13, 1 through 4. Repeat after me. Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities. Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities. For there is no authority, For there is no authority. except that which God has established. Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. The authorities that all right, so there are governing authorities, and he says we are to submit to them. 
That is, we are to put uh, their rule uh, over ours, uh, and we are to treat them as those who have been placed over us. And so we are not to exert our will over theirs, uh, but allow theirs to, to stand, sub, put our will underneath, underneath theirs. So these religious authorities uh, we are to submit to. It says there is no authority except that which God has established. And then it goes on to say concerning these authorities, well, they have been established. They exist. God put them there. So he set up the authority and then he put people in that. Whoa. Uh, I, I think he almost could have said it in one, one phrase, but ends up saying it one way and then the second way and then flips it around and, and says it the other way. Um, there, that, this leaves really no wiggle room. Uh, there are authorities. God's put them there. What if the authority is, well, corrupt? Hmm. It doesn't change that by means established by law. Okay, so there is means established by law. Yes, um, the corruption that may have may be whether it is in their official capacity, which is, is not to be condoned, absolutely not. Um, it may be corruption in their own moral character, personal. But there's still the authority. But there's still the authority. And so concerning those means in which, um, am I too because they uh, tell me to do illegal corrupt things? No, but insofar as they are that authority, yes. Uh, they still are the authority. What if the civil authority has bad ideas? <laughs> no, usually I think it's a bad idea when they say, you know, I want to raise your taxes. And I'm thinking, that's, that's not a real good idea. You know, my idea is to raise your taxes, not mine. That goes with it. Um, I guess God knew, didn't he? Uh, putting sinful human beings uh, in, in authority that are, that are over us. Absolutely. Um, what, if the, uh, what if the governing authority is stupid? <laughs> Ignorant. Well, well once how again. How do we know? How do, yeah, and... <laughs> there, there is something... There is something to be said. Um, that's why I said with the other, you know, it, it is a matter of opinion, you know. It's good taxes if they're on your back and it's bad if they're on my back, you know. So all of a sudden, how do we know? Stephen? Just <laughs> Well, we all are, you can, you can join in. I think also, uh, there may be stupid ideas. I, I yes. Um, and, and maybe objectively so, we, we, we can say that. Nevertheless, God is pleased when we obey the authorities, when we submit to them. And particularly, if I submit to the governing authority when they do what I think is right and good, well, of course I guess I would. It actually shows my, well, respect of God when I submit, when it goes to my harm or my detriment, or I think that's not a good decision, but yet I give into it anyway. Why? Because it shows my trust in the God who has provided uh, for me. And sometimes God provides, well, Dictators, um, maybe those who are especially strong to hold back the, uh, the masses. Okay, uh, sometimes he provides, well, as Luther would say, 
Um, oh, you crazy Germans, God will give you just what you deserve. Don't ask for that. And so God uh, provides in order that it might teach us to cry out to him. Did you have your hand up or you were just stretching earlier? Okay. Um, absolutely, even the king or the authority, you're right, is responsible for their actions and what they do, so absolutely. Stephen? Yes, um, there are two ways in which we end up speaking about it, and it all depends on the um, approach that you start with. If you start with the approach that uh, does God do evil, contribute to evil, cause evil, whatever, the answer would, would be absolutely not. And so usually when we come at it from that approach, we say things like, God allows this to continue, although it is not his desire, it is not what you know, he, he, he would want. Nevertheless, if we come at it, I'm going to say, from, from the other side, in which we say, so are things out of control? We say, well, absolutely not. In fact, um, the authorities that exist, they've all been established by God. And so therefore, God will even use those who are evil, those who do that. He's going to use it for his own purposes in order to work things out. He didn't want it, but he will. So what does he do? The Old Testament prophets say things like, you know, God is going to take uh, the Babylonians who were wicked and he's going to use them to punish his own people. And then he's going to come back and punish them for their wickedness. And so even those who do evil can't, they end up doing God's will whether they like it or not. So you know, this is why we can say things like, God works out all things for good. Right. And, and so, you know, again, and how, you know, I, I, um, that which is evil, God will bring good to us. But, you know, to justify it, to say that's, you know, uh, then do more evil? No, uh, we, we, we don't. But, but, but for me, uh, yes. And yet the king himself that, that brings the evil, yes, he does have to stand before the Lord. Jane, did you have Yes, absolutely, because he has told us that. Let's continue. Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. And those who do so will bring judgment Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. So tell me about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. What about these three? Hmm, who knows the Easter Vigil story? Um, 
Aha, they were commanded to break the first commandment and to fall down whenever you hear the music, fall down to the golden statue that the king had set up. Uh, all right, he who rebels, what did they do? Did they rebel against this king, Nebuchadnezzar? Not what we call rebel. <laughs> They wouldn't fall down. They refused. Are we supposed to do everything that the governing authority says? Well, that just means that we must obey God rather than man. Ah. So there may be things in this world that uh, uh, to pay 36% or 37% taxes, well, you know, okay, uh, uh, that we are to put our right hand upon our heart, that we are to whatever. They, you know, there, there's honor, there's respect, there's taxes, of course. Uh, when it comes, however, to, as we would say, that which is immoral and wrong, illegal, against, especially against the commandments of God, uh, no. Um, if we're commanded to lie, if we're commanded to fall down and worship, uh, yeah, we're not supposed to rebel, and or we're not supposed to uh, listen to that authority or do what he says. Uh, and no, when we say no in that way, yeah, we're not going to be uh, uh, bring judgment on ourselves. It's when these other things in which they have been given over us uh, that is speaking to. But it goes on to say, let's continue. For those for rulers hold no terror. For those who do right. The rulers hold no terror for those who do right. But for those who do wrong. But for those who do wrong. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Did Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego do right? Yes. Absolutely. Did they need to fear? The governing authority? I think from the king's perspective, they did wrong. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but they knew the word of God. And so do they fear the king? No, the king says, I'll give you one more chance. I'm going to play the music again. And what do they say to him? Not going to do it. Sorry. You know, what, what, what? We cannot do that. We can tell you right now we're not going to do it. Yeah, we can tell you right now. We can bypass this. It's not going to happen. We are not going to do this. Um, I'm going to throw you into the fiery furnace. What does he say? All right, you can do it. Uh, now, the God that we serve, he, he says, uh, they say to King Nebuchadnezzar, the God that we serve is able to rescue us from this fiery furnace, from your hand. But I love the next part. What does it say? But if not. But even if he doesn't, what do they say? We're still not going to fall down. Uh, he's able to do it. Uh, do they trust that God is going to? Well, no, they don't have a command yet from God that they're promised that this is exactly going to happen. But they said, listen, if our God wants to rescue us, he can. If he doesn't want to rescue us, nevertheless, uh, we'll go to the fire because we don't fear you and we don't fear death. They had a belief in the resurrection. So absolutely, they have no terror. Oh, that, that, and I think that's what infuriates Nebuchadnezzar more than anything else. Because what? They're not, they fear God. They don't fear him. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right and he will commend you. For he is God's servant to do you good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. So he also is God's servant. The pastor is the servant of God as well. We call him the servant of the word uh, because that is what he is dishing out. Nevertheless, the authority is also sent by God in order to serve you. He's supposed to do you good. Particularly, two things. What is he supposed to do for you? Protect body and 
and property or possessions, body and possessions. Those are the two things. That is his job. Uh, and so he is to do you good. That's what he's sent to be a servant for this uh, particular purpose. He is God's servant, an agent of wrath. Oh, I skipped a part. Wait a minute. But if you do wrong, be afraid. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword for nothing. For he does not bear the sword for nothing. He is God's servant. He is God's servant. An agent of wrath. An agent of wrath. He is God's servant, an agent of wrath. He is God's servant, an agent of wrath. To bring punishment on the wrongdoer. To bring punishment on the wrongdoer. So, this minister of God is a minister of the sword. He comes with uh, the law. He comes with uh, promises to do you good or promises to harm you. He's an agent of wrath. He brings the sword and fear him uh, because he will come. Fear to do wrong for God will use him to bring punishment upon you. Uh, that is what he is to do. And so we see this uh, gift of God in the governing authorities. Questions? All right. I'm going to go and light the candles and we'll begin. Please stand. O oh Lord, open my lips. And my mouth will declare your praise. Make haste, O oh God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O oh Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Praise to you, O Christ. Hallelujah. You may be seated. The reading is on the back of the bulletin, and it's the Easter season, so page 227 will be our responsory for Easter. John chapter 16, verse 16 through 22. A little while, and you will not see me. And again a little while, and you will see me, because I go to the Father. Then some of his disciples said among themselves, What is this that he says to us? A little while, and you will not see me. And again, a little while, and you will see me. And because I go to the Father. They said, therefore, What is this that he says a little while? We do not know what he is saying. Now Jesus knew that they desired to ask him, and he said to them, Are you inquiring among yourselves about what I said? A little while and you will not see me, and again a little while and you will see me? Most assuredly, I say to you that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. And you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. A woman, when she is in labor, has sorrow because it has come. But as soon as she has given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. Therefore, you now have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and your joy no one will take from you. This is God's word. The responsory. Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. 
Death has no more dominion over him. The life he lives, he lives to God. Alleluia, alleluia. He was delivered for our offenses. He was raised again for our justification. Death has no more dominion over him. The life he lives, he lives to God. Alleluia, alleluia. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. Death has no more dominion over him. The life he lives, he lives to God. Alleluia, alleluia. Hymn 138. He's risen, he's risen, Christ Jesus the Lord. Death's prison he opened incarnate true word. Break forth, hosts of heaven, in jubilant song. While earthy and mountain the praises prolong. The foe was triumphant when on Calvary the Lord of creation was nailed to the tree. In Satan's domain his host shouted and cheered, for Jesus was slain whom the evil ones feared. But short was their triumph, the Savior arose, and death, hell, and Satan, he vanquished his foes. The conquering Lord lifts his banner on high, he lives, yes, he lives, and will never more die. Oh, where is your sting, death? We fear you no more. Christ rose, and now open his fair Eden's door. For all our transgressions, his blood does atone. Redeemed and forgiven, we now are his own. Then sing your hosannas and raise your glad voice. Proclaim the blessed tidings that all may rejoice. Lord, honor and praise to the Lamb that was slain. In glory he reigns, yes, and ever shall reign. Okay, it's Monday, Thursday in today's reading. Monday, Thursday is the day before Jesus died. It's the night that he's having the Passover and he's going to institute Lord's Supper. Time-wise, he's been teaching them at the Passover that uh, evening. Uh, Judas has already uh, laid down his hand and has gotten up and left. And so Jesus is there and he is with uh, his eleven. And he says to them as he is is teaching them, a little while and you will not see me. And again a little while and you will see me because I go to the Father. The disciples, it's Monday, Thursday, they don't know what he's talking about. Jesus, he knows what's going to happen. 
So what has Jesus got in his mind when he says this? A little while, and you will not see me. What is Jesus thinking? What now? He's thinking of his death. How soon is this going to happen? The very next day. By what time? Is he going to be put on the cross? By early, by nine. He's dead by, by three. They put him in the tomb by six o'clock on Friday night. So pretty well, in less than 24 hours, sounds like a little while, in less than 24 hours, or about that time, he is going to be placed in the tomb, and they're not going to see him. In a little while, you will not see me. He says, the world will rejoice and you will weep and lament. Is the world going to rejoice? Sure, they finally got him. Oh, they finally got Pilate to kill him. They finally removed him. They got rid of this preacher who is, is advocating crazy stuff and telling them that they ought to confess their sins and believe in him. And so they're all rejoicing. We've, we've finally taken care of him. And, you know, there had been other uprisings, and so finally, well, this one will go away as well. The disciples, what do they think when Jesus dies? They think it's all over. They think it's all over. The two disciples going to Emmaus said, we're packing it up. We thought he was the one. We thought he was the Christ. We thought he was the one. But at this point, he must not have been. It all must be a lie. It must be wrong. It must be done. And so they weep and lament for Friday night, for Saturday, and then Easter Sunday. And in a little while, you will see me. Resurrection. How long from 6 o'clock Friday till... Six o'clock Sunday morning. <laughs> 24 plus another. Yeah. Um. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. So it's been a little while and they get to see him again. He's teaching them. What about the other phrase? Because... He said, I go to the Father. They didn't understand that one either. Because I go to the Father. What was he? I thought he said, I'm going to go to heaven. He is. How's he going to return? How's he going to get there? I'm going on a trip. Well, how are you going to get there? You going to take a train? You going to take a car? You going to hike? What's his way back to the Heavenly Father? Liam? Um, How's Jesus going to get back to the Heavenly Father? What road is he going to take? He says, I'm going to go back to the Heavenly Father. How are you going to do it? I'm going to go through death, a resurrection, and ascension. That's the way I'm going. That's the road I'm taking back. Same way we got to it. It's the exact same way we're going to have to go through. You're exactly right. And so Jesus says, I'm going to the Father. And they're going, great. And he says, no, you're not going to see me for a little while, and then you'll see me. Well, what road are you taking? I'm going back to the Father. I'm going back to the Father. How, how are you paving this road back? I'm going to do it through my death.
Right, when he was trying to tell them before, was um, how clear was he in telling them that this was gonna happen? I'm gonna suffer, I'm gonna die, they're gonna, they're gonna whip me, they're gonna spit on me, and did he tell them about the resurrection? And then I will rise on the third, he told them. In fact, the only people that remember are the Jews that say, that, that deceiver said that he would rise on the third day. Now I go and make a tomb ready. Um, so Jesus is telling him. Why is he telling him all of this on Thursday? Because you're right, Luke, he's been telling them before, but right now it's Monday, Thursday, and he's, and he's telling them this one more time. And at least John remembered. Because we got John chapter 16. Karen? He's telling them that he, because he knows they are weak just like we are. And they're going to need that they're going confidence to, or whatever you want to call it. Just a reminder. These are words from Jesus, whether they understand them at the point or whether they understand them later. But they can hold to these words and they can say, listen, Jesus told us ahead of time this was going to happen. Um, and he knew it was, and he's giving them comfort. Um, if I tell you I'm going away, and you go, I don't know what you're doing. Well, I'm, but I'm going somewhere, you know, I don't know. But if I say, okay, it's a little while, you can hold on to that. You may not understand the suffering and death. You may not understand all, but if I tell you it's just going to be a little while, that's comforting. That's something to know. Um, how long is this going to last? A little while. But I'm going to suffer, and I'm going to weep and lament. Yes, you will. It's a little while. That's good to know. It's a little while. What do I know after that? Then, what? Then there's going to be Joy, the sorrow's going to be taken away. The mourning's going to be taken away. Good. So there's an end, and after it, things get worse? No, they get better. Good. And so I get to know, you know, there's going to be some suffering in a little while, and then after another little while, then, good. Then it comes. This is of comfort to us. He uses the example of a woman in labor, in which he says, yes, there's going to be suffering. Giving birth and all, yes, it happens. And then it only lasts for a little while. And then there's going to be, and what follows after that, none other than which is good and joyful and right, uh, and the Lord is going to use this to, to, to bring about. And so he says, uh, therefore you now have sorrow, but I will see you again. He assures them, I will see you again. I mean, if they could only, look, if they have grabbed onto these words Monday, Thursday, it would have been a whole lot easier to sustain yourself through Friday night and all day Saturday and Sunday saying, you know, Jesus, we're going to see him again. I bet he's coming back. See you again. Your heart will rejoice. And what was the last line? And your joy... No one will take away. No one will take from you. That is, is extremely comforting. Questions about the facts themselves? Okay. It's still astonishing. I mean, Jesus did everything to draw them a picture. <laughs> but it wasn't intended that they should have. It, no. Um, because, I mean, these guys, these guys weren't that dumb. I'm sorry. No, no, right, right. And they'd been with him for three years. You know, right. I, I don't, I, you can try to understand this from, from different angles. You can say, well, it, you know, they were thinking of something else. They were overcome with grief. They were, you know, I mean, okay, um, nobody has ever done this before, so for someone to say, I'm going to rise from the dead, he must be meaning something else. I, whatever it might be, um, none of those answers, and even when I put them all together, 
um, does it, do I get to the point where I kind of go, well, that all makes sense and that's a perfectly good explanation of this? We wouldn't have been any better. Well, <laughs> I, th I think that's true. I think that's absolutely true. Uh, you know, we, yes. Well, and I think the only answer, I mean, I do have this where you have Jesus saying things like, and it was hidden from them and they didn't know, you know, kind of thing. The only answer that satisfies my mind is the theological answer. And the theological answer is this. They did not understand the death and resurrection. After the fact, hindsight, when you understand the death and the resurrection, the entire scripture is an open book. Like you said, Jesus, Monday, Thursday, you look at the stuff he says and you go, well, that was extremely clear. Why I didn't see it, I have no idea. But now that I got the death and the resurrection, Jesus rising from the dead, I look back on that and I go, well, of course. And so this is the thing for us as well. People look at the Old Testament and, and they, it, it makes no sense to them until you see the Savior, Jesus Christ. Then it makes perfect sense. Then it is a clear book. Then we begin to realize all of the stuff that God says comes clear in Jesus Christ. And so before this, no, they don't. Now, are they believers? Yes. Do they trust in a little while? Yes. Do they trust in some of these things? Absolutely. And yet there are times in which even the Emmaus disciples throw it all to the wind and try to go away, and Jesus pulls them back. Um, you know, we would do no better. And, and we need to be, I would say, on guard lest we too would throw it all to the wind, where we would... Uh, uh, all of a sudden say, well, I, you know, I guess I'm not going to believe, or that, I guess that's not that important. Yeah, no, it is. And so I want to make sure. Tell me again. Let me hear that word. Well, I'm almost 75 years old, and I still need to go back and hear over and over and over again so that I know what I believe and why I believe it. Exactly. And, and the doubts that come up, I mean, at different times, there are different doubts. Um, uh, you know, Luther describes uh, the, uh, the, the young men uh, that uh, they, they, they trust in their strength. <laughs> and so he says, they think, you know, the world exists forever or whatever. And he says, you know, the middle age, uh, uh, is, it is the desires. And then the old, it is the uh, clinging to possessions and uh, being at rest kind of thing. And then you have the fear, and, and all of us, we have all kinds of things that come against us. Um, Luke? And if you and I were in that situation, yeah, with that, what a blessing we have to have the teaching and, and can see and to put this together. But it was really not much different because they had the firsthand account of the word. Now, obviously, we have the written word, but they had the word, we had the word. And, you know, we're all in the same boat and everything that holds on to, you know, is our salvation. Right. Absolutely. The word. And that's what we have. Um, one of the reasons why I, I, I and, and from time to time I'll throw out, like I threw out the, the story of the Jesus going down in the boat and, you know, walking out. Um, it's one of those stories that has just enough truth in it to kind of bother you. Um, and, and I think we need to deal with those um, attacks. And we need to, to hear Give me the best you've got against this Christianity thing. <laughs> and I want to hear it. Why? Because I need to struggle with it so that I can go with God's word. It's not that I, I want to hide this from us so that all of a sudden we don't know, oh my goodness, you know. Um, and so someone comes to you and says, well, you know, with Christianity, you know, I trust in Jesus because I figure, well, if there is a God, then I'm saved. And if there's not a God, well, then I've led a good life and that's a good... And I go, oh, wait a minute. No. No, that's not... I'm not going there. That, that's not, in fact, 
If, if, if you trust in this and there is not a God, then he's a liar and you've lived a lie. I, you know, and so they make things out and it sounds good, but you have to be able to say, no, this is what I hold to. And this, this is why. Why is that? Because in this world, we will have sorrow and trouble. There are way too many preachers that will tell you that. What did I see? I saw a bumper sticker. I just saw it yesterday or the day before. And, and it said, I kid you not, when I, when I do good, when I do, maybe it said works. I don't think it said works, but it, it messed with a play. When I do good, it makes God smile. What is that? Um, I mean, is, is that simply I do good works and then God is pleased with me? I, wait a minute. You know, yes, I do want to do good. But that's not the, the answer that, that we have. Um, and it's not when I do good, God blesses me so that everything is good. Oh, if I'm doing great, then God must be blessing me. Oh, no, the water's coming up to my house. I must have been sinning. And that's what we think, right? Um, why is this happening to me? Right? Um, every, that's what we do. What does Jesus tell us in this one? He tells believers that what? They're going to go through sorrow. And then the Lord is going to give them a joy that no one can take away. He does give them. Um, Luke, does he give them a joy they cannot take away? Absolutely. So after this, did the apostles lead righteous, triumphant lives? No, they're hunted down. Most of them are killed, and yet they've got a joy that no one can take away. Wow. Um, what this is teaching us is that the Christian life is not a matter of outward joy. It's a matter of inward joy. It's not a matter of God works everything out for you so that you're healthy, wealthy, and wise. He provides for you so that you can go through whatever little while of suffering that you have, and he promises that he will, it won't last forever, and that he will finally bring you joy. It, but it all comes from, because I go to the Father. And so we're going to go through this same, same road. They didn't understand. And when Jesus finally later on tells them, no, this is the road you're going to go to, you too have to go through suffering and death in order to get to heaven. Okay, then. I've got a joy that no one can take away. This is ridiculous to the world. Uh, you Christians, you're all excited, you're all happy, but you're going to suffer and die. Well, yes, but we were with Jesus. It's not. Um, Paul uses some of the same wording in Galatians. It says, uh, what has happened to all your joy? <laughs> yes, very good for our Bible study with Galatians. The joy that he's talking about, yeah, what were they coming up with? They were coming up with this kind of earthly kind of stuff and leaving behind, absolutely, a good, good connection, very good connection. So this is our Christian life. It is one of, of sorrow and affliction, but is one in which we, we, we are with Jesus, and he's gone to the Father for us. And so there is a resurrection, and we have a joy that no one can... Can, can take away. We comfort each other with things like it's only a little while. Questions? All right, let's get out our pink sheets. The responsive prayer for catechesis. Marion will include, still hospitalized, will include her. Okay, please stand. Holy God, holy and most gracious Father, you shall have no other gods. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. 
Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. He says, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Deal bountifully with your servant, that I may live and keep your word. Open my eyes, that I may see wondrous things from your law. I am a stranger in the earth. Do not hide your commandments from me. My soul breaks with longing for your judgments at all times. You rebuke the proud, the cursed, who stray from your commandments. Remove from me reproach and contempt, for I have kept your Princes also sit and speak against me, but your servant meditates on your statutes. Your testimonies also are my delight and my consolation. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, the Heavenly Father who shows the light of truth to those who are in air, so that they may return into the way of righteousness, Cause all who are admitted into the fellowship of Christ's church to avoid those things that are contrary to their profession and to follow all such things that are agreeable thereto. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We ask, Heavenly Father, uh, that you would uh, comfort Miriam Webb Marion Byrne, with, the, uh, with your word, uh, with your word of promise, uh, as well as of the assurance of uh, eternal life and uh, a good will of the Heavenly Father. We ask it all through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. The final petition. 
Grant peace, we pray, in mercy, Lord. We sin our time, O send us. For there is none on earth but you, none other to defend us. You only, Lord, can fight for us. O God, from whom all holy desires, all good counsels, and all just works proceed, give to your servants that peace which the world cannot give, that our hearts may be set to obey your commandments, and also that we, being defended by you, may pass our time in rest and quietness through the merits of Jesus Christ our Savior. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. The Lord bless us, defend us from all evil, and bring us to everlasting life.